This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Today, Toronto's mayor called on the police to start an enforcement blitz, cracking down on people who continue to gather in groups in public places despite emergency orders. There's a new provincial law mandating that we must identify ourselves to police and special constables. And refusing to do that carries a $750 fine. And the penalties for flouting some of the other emergency measures run as high as half a million dollars. So the best comparison I have heard is to martial law. What about our civil liberties? Right now, I'd like to welcome Michael Bryant, Executive Director and General Counsel at the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. Hello, Michael. Hello, how are you? Good to be here. Okay, thanks. I'm glad we're having this conversation. Is is, is this like martial law in your view? Uh, no, uh, but, you know, it, it's totally unprecedented and extraordinary, and uh, uh, it's a time in which our Constitution is really getting tested, and our governments are uh, slowly but surely behaving uh, closer to what uh, takes place in China, which disturbs us in Canada because uh, obviously civil liberties are not respected there. So really, the, 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 the big question uh, for all of these uh, government orders, when, when it's an order, so in other words, when the government makes a decision and they've created a new law, is uh, are they just making it up or do they have a, a statute or a piece of legislation that allows them to do that? And, and so far, so good. They've been doing that. Uh, secondly, is it based on fear or is it, is there, um, some grave necessity? Uh, is it driven by public health, in other words, as opposed to politics? And so far, most of the measures, although you could argue, uh, they're, they're part fear, part, part uh, public health. So far, they seem to be meeting that test. And then really, it just boils down to proportionality. You know, is it necessary for, uh, the number to be restricted to, um, say five uh, congregating in public or 10 or three or 50. It used to be, remember it was 50, not that long ago and yeah. it was 200 in, in the United States. So those are the tests. It's, is it, uh, uh, grounded in law? Is it necessary? And is it proportionate? And is it? Right. So it, you know, it depends on each one and, uh, some, uh, it really comes down to, uh, how they're being enforced. There's so many, uh, what, uh, you know, I think Canadians are slowly beginning to realize is uh, the old Federal War Measures Act, uh, which we knew about uh, from the October crisis, um, it's basically gone. It was uh, gutted and uh, replaced with something quite narrow that only applies to the federal government. Uh, the provinces then stepped into the shoes of where the feds used to occupy, and they all developed emergency management laws. And after SARS, uh, they updated those laws because there was a bunch of things they wanted to do around quarantining that they just didn't have the power to do. So now the federal government can step in and take over the whole show, but the provinces have said, no, don't do that, and we're doing it fine, thank you very much. And in a way, it works out well because you've got some provinces that get a little bit ahead of the other, 
And so you get to see which one's more effective and not. And then lastly, we just have to see the practices. The one that we're, uh, what, that we're most concerned about is what looks like carding, you know, where the police stop and um, the search people, ask them for their information, not because uh, they've witnessed them committing uh, an emergency management offense, but because they just don't like the looks of them. They just, they got a hunch. And uh, we know from the uh, study that was done by Mr. Justice Tullock a couple of years ago, uh, which was accepted by the Ontario government, uh, this one, the one that's currently in power, that carding is notoriously ineffective and unreliable. It violates people's privacy and rights, and it tends to result in uh, non-Caucasian people, uh, Indigenous people, Black, um, uh, uh, other racialized minorities, mentally ill people, and alcoholics and addicts on the streets. They tend to be the target of this information being gathered. And um, under the circumstances, we say it's not necessary because the police already have the power to get information from people upon arrest. So if you're not arresting them, then why are you asking them for their information? And our concern is that that's disproportionate. We're going to have to see how exactly it's being used. Well, a couple of questions. So so first of all, don't, don't they have to see you flouting some rule, like being in a group of more than five before they ask you or or is this kind of sweeping they can just ask you for any reason well this is so this is just it it really comes down to what is the practice going to be if they already had the suspicion uh, or if they already witnessed something uh, such that they're doing something wrong look let's say they want they they're driving by and they see a, a, a soccer game is taking place with 20 people on the field they go out there and uh, they certainly uh, ought to educate people, tell them, I mean, I don't know how you guys missed this, folks, but uh, you, you all got to go home. You're in violation of an emergency management law, and I could arrest and charge all of you. Uh, well, let's say some of them say, forget it. We're, we're going to stay. And at that point, he says, look, if you stay, I'm going to arrest you. They still don't disperse then. It makes sense in those circumstances. Well, they're not going to comply with this law. They're putting everybody at risk. You're under arrest give me your name, and so on. On the other hand, uh, another situation is they see somebody who is, you know, uh, I'll say wearing the clothes of poverty, uh, or they just don't like the look of a couple of uh, kids on the corner, and uh, it's based maybe more on the color of their skin than anything else. They go up to them and say, give me your name and number. That's the circumstance in which they should be doing it, but because it's now known that there's this offense out there that you've got to give your name and number. If they're asked, they need to give it. Uh, the question is, did they, did they uh, witness uh, a violation of the emergency management order taking place? And if they did, why are they not arresting the person? Why are they going straight to gathering the information? And we have a particular recommendation on what to do with all of this COVID carding information that they're gathering. And, and what is that? Well, uh, we think that everything that is gathered in the name of COVID, so all the public health, you know, all the information about enforcing the emergency management orders should be kept in a lockbox and not, and not commingle with uh, the general police investigations around crimes. So that if we keep it all segregated and we sort of keep it in a lockbox, we can decide what to do with it 
once the emergency management orders expire. And, you know, civil libertarians like me will argue that it should be destroyed. Uh, The police will say we should be able to use it. And maybe the middle ground is that individuals are allowed to apply to have their information destroyed. But the point is, if we don't start segregating it now, uh, it will be a lot more difficult to figure out what to do with it later. And the difference is, you know, if the police gathered some information as part of an investigation under a warrant, yes, of course, that makes sense that they have to hang on to that information for that investigation. But if they gather information about people playing soccer, uh, that's not the kind of thing that should remain in a police record. And uh, I don't think that the people uh, of Canada would think it's appropriate uh, for the fact that they play soccer on Sundays to be in a police record somewhere. So it, I think it's important that we... Uh, do something now with respect to that information so that we can figure out what to do with it later. Oh, there's your pooch. Um, just a, a sort of a final question. Um, the mayor asked the police to start uh, doing a blitz to enforce these. Is is that okay? Can he be really directing the police what, what to enforce? Uh, no, uh, not unless it's prescribed by law. Now, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's uh, uh, if if city council uh, gives police the tools to uh, enforce, uh, that's one thing. Uh, for the mayor to behave like the chief of police and get involved in the specific operations, that's another thing. And it's inappropriate. And the way that normally... We would pursue that is anybody who was arrested pursuant to this crackdown, we'd say it's an abusive process because the mayor um, should not be, any politician uh, should not be directing the police what to do. It violates you know, basic principles of our constitution. Uh, however, we'll have to see what the police do in response okay. to what the mayor says. My, my experience is that just because a politician says go do something, they, they uh, that mercifully often don't listen to that, but instead listen to what the chief says. Okay. Um, so uh, let's let's just take one call and then we'll uh, we'll uh, wrap this up. We've got Jerry in Mississauga. Hi, Jerry. Uh, how are you, Bibby? Fine. Go ahead. What's your question? The more, the more I listen to what's going on, I think the next thing they're going to do is going to hand us ID cards, being like the war, and where you stop show your show your papers. It's like going back into the war. And the other thing is, with people in uh, uh, numbers, what are they going to do? They're going to shut the TTC subway system down? You've got people in the subway, you've got more than 20 people in a, in a subway car, and they're, more than, they're, they're less than six feet apart. So what are they going to do? Shut the subways down? Shut the TTC down? The buses down? This is, it's ludicrous, you know? I'm a senior, and uh, the law states, unless they arrest me, I don't have to uh, identify myself. And if they want to arrest me, fine. It's free room and board. They can do whatever they want. I don't <laughs> you care. You stay away from prison. That That's not a good place to be with like this. It's, uh, they, they are just getting too much power, and they're getting power hungry. Okay, Jerry. Thank you for that. Okay. Okay. Uh, Michael, uh, yeah. what do you say to Jerry? Look, I, I, I have the same concern about this business of uh, politicians getting power hungry. And so we're, we're Canadian Civil Liberties Association. Uh, all of us are very vigilant to, to watch for that happening. So, you know, the setting up of the snitch line, for example, 
um, in uh, in Newfoundland and in New Brunswick. To me, that is just uh, trying to play to people's fears and rage. But um, and and Jerry makes a really good point, and and it's an important distinction between these circumstances and, for that matter, the October crisis or uh, the Second World War. Uh, you know, in those cases, uh, the, the crisis involved an armed conflict uh, or uh, terrorism, uh, depending on uh, uh, the particular circumstance. This isn't that. Uh, this is about public health. So everything that the police do should be about public health. Yeah. I understand during an armed conflict uh, and during a terrorist threat, one needs to be vigilant to issues of public order. But, you know, Public order is the means to achieving the public health ends. But public order is not the goal of this in and of itself. And so everything the police need to do pursuant to these emergency management orders, they need to be all about public health. And um, if I was advising Jerry, and I appreciate the civil disobedience spirit uh, that, that, he's, um, that he's exercising here in his free speech, but... What we're telling people is, look, if you are stopped and you're asked for your identification, our advice is to, to give it over. Because if you don't, you run the risk of being charged. And we don't want people ending up in the system unnecessarily. Yeah, and, well, you know what? Jerry uh, is said he's a senior, so they would probably uh, caution him and tell him he's not supposed to ever leave his house. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I think you're right. Uh, but what about everybody else listening yeah. on the show? I, you know, I think that they're more that they ought to uh, answer a question if it's being asked. But uh, if people are getting information, are being asked for police for information and in circumstances where they think that doesn't make any sense that they'd be asked, if it's actually happening, uh, please, we're, at, we're trying to gather that information. You And people can email us at COVID19 at ccla.org. Uh, now, we have actually at CCLA a lot of Zoomers, a lot mm-hmm. of Zoomers as our members. Uh, and, uh, you know, most of our donations come by checks and most of our literature is sent out uh, by post. Uh, it's, it's, it, so I, I realize I'm asking people to engage in emailing uh, to an audience that uh, more likely uh, may not want to do that. But uh, I think everybody's having to get a lot more uh, literate online as a result of all this. So oh, I think I think our people um, are, are, are a lot of them are are pretty good online. Michael, uh, thanks very much for that, and uh, I'm you. sure we'll be checking back with you. Thanks very much. Anytime. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.